Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we have a great privilege of talking with Sam Alberry on same-sex attraction and Christian identity. Also, just wanted to remind you all about our Let's Talk Marijuana In Doubt live event coming up next week. We asked the question, what is the Christian perspective on marijuana? This is a free event and it will be live streamed. All the information you need can be found at indoubt.ca. Jesus Christ was the most fully human and complete person who ever lived. And he wasn't married, he never had sex, was never in a romantic relationship. And so if we say that any of those things is essential for being a fulfilled human being, then we're saying Jesus Christ wasn't fully human. Hey, my name is Isaac, host of In Doubt. The issue of sexual identity won't be going away for any time soon. And I'm glad because lots of work still needs to be done and a lot of things need to be said. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Sam Alberry, a Christian leader who is attracted to the same sex, yet believes wholeheartedly in the orthodox teaching of the Bible that acting on those attractions is sinful. As you know, there's a large split in the church over this very issue. Now, it's great to have Sam with us this week to help flesh out this issue and provide encouragement to those who perhaps share with Sam in this struggle or have a friend or family member who does. So here's my conversation with Sam. With me today is Sam Alberry. Sam is an editor for the Gospel Coalition, a global speaker for Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries, a pastor based in the UK. He's also an author of quite a few books, uh, as well as one of the founding editors of Living Out. It's great to have you with us today, Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, as we begin every conversation, Sam, can you just let us know a bit about who you are, perhaps maybe your story of meeting Jesus for the first time, then what your life looks like day to day? Sure. So I became a Christian just around the time I turned 18. Um, I hadn't been going to church or really thinking about Christian things before then, but had a couple of good Christian friends and uh, they invited me to their church's youth ministry and I couldn't think of a reason uh, not to go. So um, I went along and the very first time I went, I heard that Jesus didn't come to, to tell people to be good, but came to tell people who aren't good that they need forgiveness. And I hadn't heard that before, even growing up in the UK. And as I began to hear more about his message, I began to realize that he was far more interesting than the Jesus I had assumed he was. And I found his message compelling and began to realize that he had he'd come for me and that I needed to give myself to him. So that all that happened around the time I turned 18. That's so good. And, you know, as you say that, it makes me think, uh, you know, I, I don't hear a lot of uh, stories of people going to youth group even nowadays and hearing that kind of gospel right away. So that's kind of encouraging to say that that was a youth group that you went to and, and that's what you heard the first time. That That is really encouraging. It was. And it, it's it's a reminder that it, it's good to have a message at a youth ministry, that it's, it's not just social stuff. I, the first time I went, I heard the gospel and um, I... I realized it was true. Yeah, for sure. Now, now we're going to jump into uh, what, what you do for Living Out, because that pertains most to our conversation. But what does your life look like day to day? I know that you're from the UK, and I know that right now as we're talking, you're, you're on the east coast of the States, so obviously you travel. Uh, yeah, what, what do you kind of do? Well, I, I kind of do a mixture of things. Um, over the last couple of years, I've been working for Rabbi Zacharias International Ministries, so I'm, I'm on the road a lot with that, helping churches, speaking at mission events, um, 
conferences, that kind of thing, um, especially on the, the issues that we're talking about today, but also also more widely. Um, over these next few months, I'm a, a visiting professor at Cedarville University in Southern Ohio, so that's why I'm that's where I'm speaking to you from at the moment, doing some uh, teaching here in in the theology department. Oh, good. So life is is very varied, which is is good fun. I've I've been a church pastor for, for a number of years, so I'm used to life being in one place with a very specific rhythm and routine. So it's it's taking a while to get used to every week looking different to the week before. <laughs> but um, for sure, yeah, I'm enjoying being on the road. It's it's fun to 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 see different parts of of God's kingdom and to, to see what, what he is up to in, in so many different places. That's so good. Uh, now, now, we mentioned that you were the founding editor of Living Out. So for those of us who don't know exactly what that is, um, how would you explain this this ministry? It's it's something that was started by me and a couple of uh, friends of mine back in the UK. We, we already knew each other, and each of us then began to share that we uh, experienced same-sex attraction, and we realized we had that issue in common. And we were trying to think, what what can we do as a group of friends that might help the church on this? And we were asking this question about five years ago, I guess. And we thought actually probably the most useful thing is, is to share our stories. There aren't many Christians who are kind of conservative on this issue, who experience this firsthand, and who are out there telling their stories. So we thought, well, let's do that, and we'll rope in a few other people that we know who would be happy to share their stories. And other friends gathered around us and said, well, let's, let's, if we're going to do this, let's do it really well. And so we, we've set up a, a new website. We've got a, a film crew in to, to film each of us giving our stories. And so living out really, the, the heart of it is, is gathering up stories. We want to show people out there that there is, there is more than one narrative when it comes to, to issues of homosexuality, there's the particular narrative we hear so much in Western culture. And we wanted to show, actually, there, there are great stories about this issue within the church as well. And so we've, we've got at the moment, I think, 11 or 12 uh, testimonies on the website. There are, as you would imagine, there are, it's not appropriate or possible for, for every Christian who has experienced this to be able to be quite that public about it but we've got a number who have been and it's um great to share their stories we've we've also got a lot of other resources there we've got answers to to common questions again lots more videos we've got book reviews guidance for church leaders guidance for christians who are wrestling with this themselves um each of us was really kind of having to deal with this issue in our formative years as young adults so we've got a particular heart for, for young people who are trying to figure this out themselves, particularly within the church. So we, we hope we can equip churches to be places where Christians who wrestle with this can, can flourish and feel able to, to talk about this and have support. Uh, we hope it will help any non-Christians who, who come across the website just to kind of see how Christians respond to an issue like this, and, and we hope it will commend our viewpoint to, to others. That's so good. You know, as you say that, like, I, I'm curious, how has the um, the feedback been from from those watching the testimonies? Has it opened up a just a, a gateway of just uh, fruit and things like that? It has. I mean, as, as you would imagine, if you, you say anything on this issue, you're, you're going to get mixed responses. Oh, for sure. But we, we've had a, f- a fair few of those oh, from, yeah. from different directions, actually. Mm. 
But actually, the, the thing that's overwhelmed us, we, we were a group of British guys telling our stories, thinking this will help some of, the, some of the churches we know back home. But of course, the moment you put something online, it, it can be reached by anyone anywhere. And we quickly were receiving emails from people in you know all, all kinds of places right across the world, pretty much from every continent, immediately. And the ones that touched us the most, we had an email from someone in, I think it was Puerto Rico or somewhere like that, saying, for the first time in my life, I realize I'm not alone. Um, you know, and there are so many Christians out there who've been wrestling with this issue personally and who thought they are the only one, that this is, this, they're, the, they're the freak. And so if nothing else, it just shows people, actually, no, you're not on your own. This, this is an issue that affects a lot of us within, within the church. And that in itself is an encouragement to so many people. I remember myself the first time I came across another Christian who was wrestling with this. Just it was a profound relief to think I'm not the only one. And we want to give people a positive message on this issue as well. Um, so it's been, it's been hugely touching. And because we have a global audience, we're, we're really wanting to begin to reflect that in the stories that we have on the website. So we're, we're hoping to, to get some stories from people from different places. I, I would love for us to have a, a collection of stories from, from North America. So we're, we're kind of working towards that at the moment. That's so good. Uh, if you're listening right now, that's livingout.org. And I'll, I'll remind us again at the end of the episode. But anyways, I, I want to start with some general questions, Sam, and then, then we can move some, kind of into some more biblical or situational, situational things. So the first is, uh, and this might seem simple to some, but to others, it, it's good to kind of have these definitions of these uh, words that are being used all around. What exactly is same-sex attraction? And, and does this uh, idea or title or definition, does this differ from kind of what's commonly understood as just being homosexual or being gay and things like that? Yeah, it's, a, it's an important question. And one of the, the problems we or confusions that we have is, is sometimes this terminology is used in different ways by different people. Um, so that it, can, it can get very confusing very quickly, even within the, the Christian world. Uh, by same-sex attraction, I mean romantic and sexual attractions to, to people of the same biological sex as, as, as oneself. Um, so it's more than just lust. I've heard some people say, well, we should just call it same-sex lust. It is more than that, because for many of us, the attractions are not just physical. They are often, they can often begin as, as deep emotional attractions and can become quite unhealthy emotional um, attractions as well. So it, it's good to broaden it out just from merely sexual feelings. Uh, there can sometimes be emotional overdependence or idolatry, um, as well as a, a physical and sexual component. But that's that's what we're generally meaning uh, within living out. Um, and in that sense, it's, it's, there's significant overlap with what our, our culture tends to commonly refer to as being homosexual or being gay. The main difference is that, uh, certainly for us at, at living out, this is not something we think of as being a core identity for us. Often today, when people talk about being gay, it, it's often not just talking about the particular attractions that they feel, but it, it tends to be used in a way that, that suggests this is who I am. This is, this is the kind of the key thing you need to know about me. Part of what we're trying to say is these things describe us, but they don't necessarily define us. And actually, that's, 
that's quite key for us as Christians to learn how to define ourselves in a way that actually is uh, in line with what God says about us. Totally. And, and that leads perfectly into this next question. And again, this might seem obvious again, but, you know, what is a Christian in the sense of does being a Christian have anything to do with our sexuality? Well, it does in the sense of being a Christian is, is someone who, who follows and trusts Jesus Christ, someone who's put their faith in him. And by following him, we, we mean not just that we try to copy him, but more profoundly that we follow him when he says we need his death for us in order to be saved. We, we trust in what he's come to do for us. And as we put our trust in him, that does mean that we, we want to follow his teachings and live in the way that he lived as a, as a way of responding to his death for us. And if that's the case, then actually that, that's going to involve every part of our being in every area of life. And one of the things we learn as Christians is that we're we're, we're broken, and that, that brokenness extends to every area of life. And so whoever we are, we're, we're also sexually broken. Um, and so all of us will need to reckon with what Jesus teaches us about sex and marriage, and uh, all of us will have to come to terms with the ways we naturally fall short of that, uh, the way our natural affections and instincts don't automatically line up with that. So it's going to have the issue of, of following Christ has implications for every single Christian when it comes to the issue of sexuality, whether we're attracted to men or women or both or neither. We have to submit that area of life to Jesus and learn that he is wiser than we are. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. This this next question, Sam, is one that I think uh, everyone needs to think about and come to a conclusion on. And, and we'd like to hear your view and, and uh, we respect that view. Um, can someone and you've kind of already alluded to this, but can someone simultaneously be a faithful Christian? And when I say faithful Christian, I mean just the, the orthodox evangelical understanding of, of, of Jesus and the Bible and God and, and be attracted to the same sex. Yes, pr- provided we're bringing our attractions under the, the rule of Christ. And there are a couple of things to say on that. I think the first is that this is as much an issue for people who are attracted to the opposite sex as it is for people who are attracted to the same sex. Because I've, I've yet to meet someone who's attracted to the opposite sex who didn't need to repent of the ways in which they're attracted to the opposite sex. This is Again, this is an issue that, that humbles all of us. So all of us have attractions and deep affections that are disordered and that need to be brought under the the loving rule of Christ. And so if if we can't be a Christian and have brokenness in, in this area of life, then there's no hope for any of us. Wow. Yeah. The other thing I'd I'd say is is we we've always in the church made a distinction, and this is this is seen within scripture as well, between temptation and sin. Right. So we're, Jesus teaches us that we're to pray for deliverance from temptation and forgiveness for sin. For some of us, that temptation when it comes to sexuality will, will take the form of same-sex attraction, as I've described it. For others, it will be opposite-sex attraction or, or something else. It might be bisexuality. All of us experience temptation. What matters is not whether we can stop the temptation, but how we respond to it. That's good. Uh, sometimes the temptations change over time, or we, we find that they, they begin, begin to ease um, but the thing God promises us is not that our temptations will necessarily go away, 
but that actually he will enable us to stand under them. So can we be Christians and be tempted sexually? Yes. But the key thing is that we respond to those temptations in a godly way. That's so good. And Sam, as you say that, I just have the question, if someone's listening and they do uh, find themselves attracted to the same sex and and because this issue is so heightened and it's been in the church and all these different things, if they feel like that temptation is almost a, uh, you know, it makes them feel like they are sinning in a sense or they feel guilty of that temptation, how, what would you say to those? Again, I'd, I'd want to say you're not on your own, both in terms of experiencing this particular form of attraction, but also more profoundly in the sense that all of us have disordered attractions. So that's one expression of what is true of everyone. Mm. So, yes, in one sense, it's right to feel a conviction about that, that it's not right. I wouldn't want someone to feel as though this must mean that they are especially abhorrent to God or anything like that, because actually all of us are are sinful. All of us fall short of the glory of God, as, as Paul tells us in Romans 3. Yeah. And so we're all in the same boat whatever our attractions. And so there's a sense in which the the attractions of um, those of us who are same-sex attracted are are less, they're less natural in that sense in terms of what God has designed us for. Mm. But all of us in one sense experience attractions that are unnatural and go against God's God's purposes for us. So I'd want to say to someone, these, these feelings don't exclude you. They don't make you beyond God's reach or... You know, as if it takes a bigger miracle for you to come to Christ than for anyone else. They don't. They don't exclude you, and they don't define you. They're not the the most significant thing about who you are. You're much more than just this part of you. That's really good. Uh, to shift gears a bit, Sam, cu- culture and unfortunately the church in in many ways as well um, has definitely emphasized uh, sex and sexually intimate relationships uh, as one of, if not the most sort of serious and fruitful and fulfilling relationships there are uh, in, in life and in, even in the church. Um, well, yeah, what would you say to this idea that's kind of been so often preached? Yeah, I, I, I want to partially affirm it in the sense that obviously marriage is meant to be the most intimate relationship God gives us and, and one of the features of, of marriage in the Bible is that it's it's a sexual relationship. There's a type of intimacy there that we don't experience um, in other kinds of human relationships. Right. But what we need to be careful of is not is not exalting that in an unhealthy way because our, our culture has kind of made sex and sexual relationships the thing that is going to give life meaning and purpose and fullness. That's not right. Um, we know that's not right for lots of reasons, but, but chief among them is the fact that Jesus Christ was the most fully human and complete person who ever lived. And he wasn't married. He never had sex, was never in a romantic relationship. And so if we say that any of those things is essential for being a fulfilled human being, then we're saying Jesus Christ wasn't fully human. Mm-hmm. So, and we see that in other parts of the Bible as well. Paul was, was single. And with both Paul and Jesus, as you, as you look closely at their lives, you realize they were not alone. Yeah. Uh, Jesus was at the end as, as people turned away from him. But actually, through his ministry and, and also with, with Paul, you, you see a deep network of, of intimate relationships. So in, in the Bible, 
sexual intimacy is not the only form of intimacy. Um, it may be one of the deepest kinds, but it's also possible to have a lot of sex and not have intimacy. That's so true. Just as it's possible to have a lot of intimacy and no sex. Yeah. So, but the, the Bible elevates friendship as something that is, we've got a very diminished view of friendship in our culture today, but in the Bible, a friend is someone who knows your soul. That might be someone you're married to, but it doesn't need to be. And so I, I always think of it in this way, that if there's, there's a depth of intimacy that as a single person I don't get to have, mm. but there's a breadth of intimacy that as a single person I can have that a married friend won't have the capacity for. I can have a, a, a deep friendship with a whole range of people. I can, I've got the capacity and, and time to, to give myself to a much wider range of friendships. So it's it's not the case that if you're not having sexual life lacks intimacy. Uh, that's just that's just a lie. Yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. Thank you so much, Sam, for that. Uh, we have a few minutes left, and I just wanted to tackle two more uh, kind of questions. And, and, and one of them is this. Uh, there are some people uh, listening who uh, don't struggle in this area, but they have a, a friend or a family member who's uh, maybe come to them and said that they had these, these feelings for, uh, for another, uh, for the same sex. So how would you then uh, encourage them and sort of equip them uh, yeah, at that, at that moment. Yeah, I think if, if someone shares that with you, it's it's good to, to recognize they're sharing something that is very personal, they're being vulnerable with you, and I think any time someone is, is doing that, whatever it is they're disclosing, it, it's good just to acknowledge that that's, they're placing an awful, an awful amount of trust in you. And so I, I always, it's interesting, the first, one of the first times I shared that I was wrestling with this issue with a, with a friend, the first thing my friend said was, thank you so much for, for trusting me with that. Wow, and I, that actually just made me feel so relieved, and maybe realize I'd done the right thing by telling that person. Yeah, and he he said that sounds like it was a hard thing for you to share, and I just want to thank you for for doing that for me. So I think that's a really good way to respond is it's just to thank someone for disclosing something that is that deep and personal. Yeah, and the second thing is actually just to listen. So so rather than sort of swinging into what I think they need to know mode. Actually, just to, to find out a bit about how they're getting on with things. So to ask them, how long has this been an issue for you? And, and what's it been like? And what have, what have been the, the pains and, and struggles with that? And the more you listen, I, I know this as a pastor now, that the more you listen, the more you get a sense of how it is we can help this person. For sure. Uh, it, may, it may be that they need someone to just be a sounding board. It may be that they need a bit of accountability. It may be that they're a bit confused and need a bit of clarity. Um, it, it might be that they just need a friend to walk with them through this issue. So listening will help us kind of figure that out. Yeah, that's that's really good. Thank you so much. And to finish our conversation, Sam, I, I, I'd love for you to to share, uh, again, we have two minutes, so uh, I'd love for you to share your personal story of just being honest uh, with, in, with yourself and with others uh, in a global sense about your same-sex attraction, but also holding fast uh, to that biblical truth uh, regarding sexuality. Um, I think that's really important because, you know, I mean, every urban city, I mean, if there's a young adult that wants to, you know, follow Christ and they go to Vancouver and they go to different churches and they have the same-sex attraction, they're going to have like 50% or more of the churches are going to say you can embrace both and live that way. So, But you, on the other hand, you're holding fast to this 
this biblical truth. So, I, I, yeah, I'd love for you to kind of share your personal story of that. Well, firstly, being being honest is good for us. Mm. So it doesn't mean everyone has to be public, um, but it, it does mean that I think it, it's healthy and good for there to be other people in our lives who know about what's going on. So Jesus said the truth will set you free. He's obviously speaking primarily of the gospel truth, but I think it, it applies even at the, the kind of more individual level too, actually. It's just freeing to be to be known. So it's it's a it was a big blessing to me to open up to friends about this. It was actually life-changing. Um, in terms of, of what it's like holding fast to the, the kind of biblical truth on this, that the key thing for us to know is that God's word is both clear and good. Mm. And so whenever G- Jesus' word is going to be hard for any Christian in some area of life. He's, he's honest about that. He, he says, you know, following him is going to feel a bit like you're losing your life at times. But actually, it's in the, in the very process of doing that, we, we find that we're truly receiving life. So that, that's going to be the case for those of us with same-sex attraction, but it's going to be the case for anyone on some issue. But Jesus loves us more than we love ourselves. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He's more committed to our ultimate joy than even we are. And therefore, we can, it's a no-brainer to trust him, even if at times it, his word is, is painful for us. But my experience is actually, you know, God's word is good. It's an expression of his love for us. So it's actually good news to to walk in the ways Jesus calls us to. That's so good. Thank you so much, Sam, for taking the time to chat with us. It it, it means a lot. Um, if you're listening and this conversation, it sparked your interest and uh, you'd like to go deeper, um, I really would encourage you to check out livingout.org. That is the organization, the ministry. Uh, that Sam uh, shared with us at the beginning of this conversation. Uh, Also, Sam has written a book called Is God Anti-Gay? And uh, he told me before the conversation that a lot of the kind of questions we've been talking about today and just the different issues um, are addressed in this book. So I'll have the uh, links to that book uh, to order on our episode page. Anyways, also, if you just Google search the name Sam Alberry, uh, you'll find articles and resources from Sam in various organizations like Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition, Ravi Zacharias Ministries, and so on. Anyways, Sam, it's been so great talking with you, and I hope to have you back on the show again soon. It's been great fun being with you. Thank you. That was author and speaker Sam Alberry. And like he said at the beginning of the conversation, he has a book that he wrote about five years ago now, and it kind of tackles some of the same issues and questions that we've talked about. So if you want to go further, I'd suggest you grab that book. It's called, Is God Anti-Gay? And the subtitle is, And Other Questions About Homosexuality, the Bible, and Same-Sex Attraction. So I'll have a link for this book up on the episode page. Uh, You can also just go onto Amazon or just search it on Google. You'll definitely be able to find it. But definitely check it out if uh, if it interests you. Also, this conversation in general may have sparked lots of questions yourself, and that's good. Uh, Maybe you disagree with Sam in some places. I don't know, but we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have a conversation with you. So message us on Facebook, on Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always email us as well at hello at indoubt.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. Also, if Indoubt is a ministry that you'd potentially like to financially support, which would be awesome, 
You can click the donate button and follow the simple instructions, also clicking the I listen to in doubt option at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Well, I'm Isaac and next week we talk to Chris Martin from Lifeway Social on social media to the glory of God. See you then. Indoubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.